2: Good day and welcome to The Call. Ten stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Wednesday, the 1st of June. And our experts on today's show, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today and Andrew Weiland from DP Wealth Advisory. Welcome to both of you. Henry, um, slowing economic growth, falling house prices, rising inflation. <laughs> How's this? set <laughs> It doesn't sound great, does it? But no. you know, from an investor point of view.
0: Um, Well it doesn't sound great but I guess from an investor point of view, bad news can sometimes be good news in terms of the rate rises that we're seeing coming along. So the fact that we're slowing without the rate rises because of energy prices, because of various other things that are at play, maybe we'll not see quite such an aggressive RBA and that's I guess the thought that also plays into the US as well. If their economy does start to slow just in anticipating the rate increases. Then maybe the Fed won't be so aggressive. So it's a bit of a, a two-edged sword. But certainly, you know, when you look at all the negatives out there, it's not great at the moment. Let's face it.
2: Yeah, it's sounding, you're sounding glass half full, though. You're looking, to, you're looking through to the other side, aren't you?
0: Well, you, you, I mean, the stock market does. I mean, it looks six to twelve months ahead, so yeah. you've got to look through the other side. And uh, of course, we've had some commentators talking about uh, actually cutting rates mm. uh, in twenty twenty three as the, uh, the the anticipated recession comes to bear. So. You know, I think you've got to look through this, but unquestionably there is a lot of headwinds. At the moment. In fact, in Sydney, there's so many, it's torrential, it's crazy headwinds. Literal headwinds. Literal headwinds. <laughs> Walking <laughs> to the studio today, it was, uh, it was sort of Chicago style, the Windy yeah. City, it was, yeah. it was yeah. crazy out there. But um, yeah, um, there are a lot of headwinds, everyone knows the headwinds. We've seen inflation in Germany, inflation in France, in the EU at record highs, UK, US. Here it's poking its head up. We've got a new government, high energy prices. Hmm. There's not much to really get very optimistic about, but maybe that's the reason why we should get a little bit optimistic.
2: Yeah, well, hopefully those headwinds aren't harbinger for the month to come of June as we get going. Um, Andrew, yeah, what are your thoughts in that regard? There is, is the bad news priced in. Can you afford to look beyond that? You know, six to twelve months.
1: Well, Andrew, and hello, Henry. Um, it's uh, – hello, Henry. It's, uh, <laughs> it's sort of um, part of our job to be glass half full. I mean, if we're glass half empty, wouldn't we just sell everything? Um, so I, I think we, we are inherently – those market commentators are inherently optimistic. But uh, I think there's a lot of bad news that's been sort of baked in. Uh, I'm not suggesting for a moment that uh, there couldn't be more. And I, I guess whenever we see a pullback, uh, perversely, I like to see sort of that final cathartic clean out, you know, the capitulation moment. Everyone just sort of puts their hands in the air and says it's all too hard. But uh, it's almost been a slow uh, cathartic capitulation as opposed to the one and done. But back to your question, Andrew, uh, I'm pretty optimistic, frankly, because I think that uh, uh, I'm more in the transitionary camp with inflation. So, in other words, I'm not necessarily thinking it's baked in, albeit every month that this goes on, there's more baking going on. And as a consequence, I think, you know, to your point around rate rises starting to come in. To uh, rate uh, cuts rather starting to come in in 2023 is certainly on the card so I'm actually using this as an opportunity to be greedy and not fearful.
2: All right I like your attitude. Uh, all right well let's uh, see how that translates into what we're going to look at today. Our first five will be Aristocrat, DDH1, B2Shares Australian, X20 uh, Portfolio Diversifier, ETF, for Macquarie and Woodside. Now stock of the day Well, we're going to take a look at Origin Energy. It's Australia's second largest power producer. Shares uh, at one stage this morning were off uh, more than 14%. So that's the steepest intraday decline since the beginning of the pandemic, March 2020. It has taken the scissors to its earnings guidance as it struggles to get enough coal to its power plant. It slashed its energy markets division's underlying earnings guidance for the year to June 22 by 27% and withdrawn its guidance for fiscal year 23 saying it's uh, the update is driven by a combination of global energy supply and security concerns exacerbated by the impact of russia's invasion of ukraine with subsequent unprecedented increases in international energy prices so there we can see the yep shares currently down 14 percent for origin um andrew origin we know what's going on with energy prices at the moment and um, you know it's certainly just for the companies and obviously you know the retailers and also the customers too
1: yeah and Andrew um, you know 25 years of doing this uh, one of my rules of thumb three days for good or bad news to wash through so of course we'll see a whole slew of broker downgrades come through tomorrow and uh, I suspect that that chart is going to look even worse over the next couple of days. But you're quite right. We don't have to be Captain Obvious to figure out what's going on. Having said that, though, it's not all bad news. Again, glass half full. Maybe this time off has I mean, been good. You know, I've I'm sort of got a more positive upbeat attitude at the moment um, around the fact that their gas business is, uh, is going along pretty well. And, and in particular, the LNG business as well. Uh, at this stage, I certainly wouldn't be looking at it. I think, as I said, there's some more bad news coming, and that chart's looking um, pretty ordinary as well, as we can see there. So uh, for the time being, there's there's plenty of noise about, and in fact, one of the uh, ones we're going to talk about today might be of more people's liking, but at this stage, uh, I'd say it's a hold.
2: Okay. All right. Henry?
1: Uh, well, this one has been a
0: market darling, hasn't it? This one has really ridden the wave of higher energy prices. And we've seen that, you know, the chart's been going in a one-way direction. And now we've had this massive surprise, I guess, from Origin in terms of their ability to source coal for the power station side of things. Um, and it's just taken a big hit. I think it's going to take more of a hit as well just because the fact that it has uh, risen so much. And it's been it's a bit like Amcor as well. Uh, these are two stocks uh, that have risen really, really well. Uh, during all this volatility, for different reasons, of course. But uh, for me, Origin at the moment, I think we're going to see further downside, as Andrew rightly says. Three days, I think it's going to take longer to wash through. Clearly, they've got some problems with sourcing uh, their coal for eraring. So, you know, this, this is not a one-day wonder. This is probably not even a three-day wonder. We could easily see this one back to sort of the, the mid-fives again. Um, so, uh, I think it's certainly too early. If you've got it, then unfortunately you've suffered a nasty day today. But that is the way of the world, unfortunately, sometimes you do get these surprises. I'm kind of baffled sometimes that the analysts out there haven't picked up on this earlier, because clearly they're, they're, you know, these guys are supposed to, they're employed and they paid a lot of money mm. to really uh, go in depth with the companies. And then we get a shock like this, that there's no coal at the power station or they're struggling and they're paying up for it. You know, it just, you have to question what they're doing. You know, whether the guys are at sleep at the wheel. There's a lot of people that cover this stock. It's not like a, a little stock. You shouldn't really get these kind of big shocks in these kind of big stocks. So uh, a little bit baffling from that perspective, but certainly I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be trying to pick the bottom of this one for a while.
2: So if you do hold it, what, are you just going to hang on from here?
0: Uh, well, the good times will come again mm. in theory, but I think you're going to be holding for a while and you're going to suffer more pain. So it may be that uh, if you do see any slight bounce, in sentiment uh, as a few bargain hunters pick it up then it may be wise to reduce your risk okay take
2: it as a trim then yeah all right okay that is origin uh let's uh, get into the ones as picked by you our first one is aristocrat the gaming tech uh, company uh delivered strong revenue and earnings growth uh, for the first half vic wanting to know waiting for the right price to buy it again uh, saying i sold it when I learned that they had a 1,000 software engineers working for them in Ukraine, <laughs> um, all involved in the online part of the business. Um, and obviously, Ukraine's not going to be open for business anytime soon. So are they going to replace or relocate them? Is that going to be expensive? Uh, what's your opinion? Is it uh, time to buy it back again? What would be the entry price in the current market volatility? Henry?
0: Um, aristocrat's an interesting one, isn't it, in some respects, because it is kind of... Uh, a tech stock in some, in some way because of the online gaming side that it's got. It's also got a lot of games. Uh, some of their games have been postponed uh, because of what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening around the world as well with that supply chain issue with, with people, I guess, not just raw materials. But it did raise an awful lot of money to buy a thing called Playtech, which it failed to buy. That was going to be the big thing. Uh, it was going to be company changing, etc., cetera, et cetera. The stock price ran pretty hard, then that fell over. And as a result, uh, Aristocrat's kind of been on a one-way sort of track to um, to nowhere at the moment. It has got uh, it has got a $500 million on-market buyback, which it's doing with the cash that it raised that it's not going to use to buy playback. So that is a positive. I mean, I don't mind Aristocrat, apart from the, the ethical and moral issues about it. But as a business, it's they're pretty well run, and uh, they've got some good products coming down the pipeline. I don't mind it where you buy it. Um, I'd say, you know, if you can get it at around 32 bucks, that's a really good price. But um, at the moment, it's suffering a little bit, I guess, from uh, the malaise in the tech sector. You know, one day we see a bounce, the next day we don't. So um, I'd just be a little bit cautious. It's probably one to accumulate more than anything else. But if you saw it back down to 32 bucks, I think that's a good thing. Also, remember that it's um, got lots of earnings in the U.S., so um, it has exposure to the U.S. Aussie dollar as well, which can work for it and it can work against it. But uh, at least the buyback does put a flaw under the price. So it's for me, it's an accumulator at the moment.
2: Andrew, yes, it's certainly not a part of your ESG portfolio, is it? Nonetheless, as Henry's pointed out there, do you, do you agree?
1: Agree with Henry. Are you serious? Uh, no. No. It's- <laughs> <laughs> no. It's it's a quality business, Andrew, and uh, and Henry's spot on. Uh, that $500 million on-market buyback will absolutely uh, support the share price. Uh, and just looking at the chart before, I thought around that 32s, 3250s is probably where you'd sort of start having a buy. Uh, it's probably a hold around these levels. Um, Interesting though, if you look at the it's 21 times earnings, so it's probably a little fully priced relative to the rest of the market, but the thing's growing by about 24% per annum. So, you know, earnings are growing quite nicely. The old rule of 72, if it was able to keep up 24% per annum, and that's a big stretch, and the earnings would double every three years. So only having to pay 21 times earnings for a business that's doubling every three years if they can do it, it's not too bad. So... um, you know, I, I don't mind it, but um, would I be sort of loading up at the moment? Probably not, but sort of around that 32, 32, 50, I'd be starting to get very interested. So probably on balance, it's a, well, what did Henry say? An accumulate. Yeah, I'd, I'd oh, agree. you accumulate. Well, you began with a hole, now you accumulate. Okay. Yep. All right. I uh, think Thinking it through, it's an accumulate, but 30, okay. 30, 32 and below, that's the buy.
2: Okay. All right. That's aristocrat. Moving on, and uh, let's take a look at DDH One. It is a drilling contractor. Reese, wanting to know, um, saying it was listed a year ago, it was founded in two thousand and six, so it has been around for a while. Certainly, as a private company, uh, looking like it has good fundamentals and looks very undervalued. Andrew, do you agree? Um,
1: mm, yeah, because the reason I'm going as mm, I'm looking at that chart yeah. and. Uh you know, others may take a view. The market has a view that it's overvalued. If you look at that chart, it's looking a bit sad. Um, yeah, look, it's 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 a 330 million dollar business, so it's not small, but it's actually got pretty good turnover. Because one of the first things I'm looking at, as of course uh, Henry does as well, is how easy or hard is it to get out of these things? Six hundred odd thousand dollars a day traded. It's actually got reasonable liquidity. And again, what are they involved in? Mining services, in drilling. Um, they describe themselves as having a young fleet, uh, 179 rigs. So it's certainly ticking all the boxes and it's involved in areas of production as opposed to exploration. Obviously, the exploration piece is a far lumpier sort of business, whereas that production piece is a far more predictable type of, uh, of business. And the, the commodities that they're exposed to, you know, they're exposed to the gold, they're exposed to iron ore so again these are sort of some of the commodities that are in play at the moment um but coming back to that share price uh, all that chart that we just saw before uh, the market's not having a, a bar of it so uh yeah i think it's probably a hold at this stage i i mean i haven't looked at it sorry i've looked at it but i couldn't find any broker research that sort of was pointing out what the the foibles were but uh the market is trying to tell us something so yeah i think it's a hold at best henry
0: um i quite like this one actually i've got to say i had a little look at it and i do quite like this one macquarie's actually got a price target of a dollar 50 on it uh, and one of the problems that this company has had apart from covid apart from uh, border closures apart from getting site uh, staff on site is they have had some margin issues. This is as old contracts. They're feeling the pressure in in the, in the in what they have to pay staff, etc. now, but the contracts they've got are kind of fixed in the past. So they have had this margin problem. Now, as those contracts roll off, uh, that should certainly help on the margin side of things. So bearing in mind, you know, we are in the middle of a mining boom. Um, there's no two ways about it. It may fluctuate from day to day, but in, in theory, we are in the middle of a mining boom. These guys do it very well. They've got a strong balance sheet, uh, not much debt. Um, and you know that's the thing that kills you for a mining services company. Plenty of work out there for these guys. So I don't mind it. It's been whacked because I think the margin pressures, the COVID staffing issues, getting people to the right place at the right time, international borders, et cetera. But I think this one at these kind of prices, what's it, 80 cents? It's kind of looking relatively attractive, especially if if you're looking for that exposure to the mining sector. So for me, it's a buy.
2: Okay, good one. All right, DDH1. Uh, All right, let's uh, take a look at an ETF. Now, this is the BetaShares Australian X20 portfolio diversifier, uh, and it uh, gives the potential of investing in ASX shares outside of the ASX20. Lauren wanted to know, saying, I've recently started investing and I'm considering buying the X20 portfolio as a core holding to gain diversification with the aim of keeping long-term. In some cases, it appears to perform better than some ETFs that track the ASX200. Henry. Uh, I, I'm not gonna
0: steal Andrew, uh, Andrew's thunder on this one because let's face it, he is the ETF whisperer. I am a mere beginner in this space. Um, but clearly, you know, the, the problem that Australia has uh, is well documented in terms of the index composition. We have a big preference with the BHP, Rio, Fortescue, the four banks, uh, Woodside, which is even bigger now, um, that's pretty much it. That's mm. pretty much the ASX200 at the end of the day. There's such a massive proportion in there. So, if you want to get that diversity, then X20 is a great way to do it because it ignores the banking sector to a large extent, it ignores the big miners, to a large extent, big energy companies, and you're looking at industrials or, or reits or the, you know that side of things, which obviously um, does diversify your portfolio. So in that respect, it, it is a good place to start if you're worried about having concentration risk, which unfortunately the ASX 200 has because of the way it's composed. So. Um, I'll leave, I'll leave the, um, the guts of this to Andrew yeah. because he's far better at this stuff. All
2: right. Well, I mean, but that does answer Laura's question because yeah. she's looking for um, diversification, it as you've does said. that in so, All right, Andrew. Yeah, how do you rate it
1: then? I was just waiting for Henry to sort of drop the mic and sort of walk away. Um, look, I, I, I don't mind it. Uh, and it's Henry saying from a diversification point of view, if for all the reasons we just spoke about, concentration risk specifically. Uh, If you look at the ASX uh, S&P 200, 29% of it is financials, whereas if you look at X20, it's only 12% financials. So in other words, if you're worried specifically about banks rising um, inflation, rising interest rates, provisions for bad and doubtful debts, people going bad, et cetera, and you don't want as much exposure to banks, X20 would be a great diversifier. Main holdings are South32, Sonic, Brambles, ASX, and you know, not terrible companies by any stretch of the imagination. However, when you look at the return over the last five years, it has, X20 has returned 9% per annum, nothing to be sneezed at. However, if you look at the ASX SP p 200 over the same period of time, it's returned 8.8%. So it mm. hasn't. I mean, yes, it's diversified you, but from a return point of view, it hasn't done much difference. Could I suggest, Lauren, and welcome to your investing journey, I should have said that at the beginning, MVW might be another one that you might also wish to put in your tool bag. It's an equal weight ETF. So in other words, it holds uh, basically the top 99 companies, 1.1% each. And that strategy has added an equal weight strategy, has added around 1% to 2% per annum additional return to the index, because again, you're not heavily concentrated to miners or banks or whatever, you have that broad spectrum. So uh, EX20, really good, like the diversification, maybe throw an MVW in there as well.
2: Okay. All right, Lauren, hopefully that answers your question. Okay, um, we were just talking about banks. Uh, Henry's already mentioned it, but um, we're going to talk Macquarie. Katrina wanted to know about this. Um, Analysts, well, they've certainly been bullish on it recently. It has come off. Um, And particularly as far as its infrastructure funds are concerned, saying it's set to benefit from inflation, given what's going on at a macro level at the moment. So, Andrew Macquarie,
1: thoughts? Yeah, and of course, Henry and I will have the standard disclaimer that we both worked for the Holy Donut, so yeah. you have to keep that in mind with the, the answer that we're going to give you. Um, I, I like it a lot. Uh, very smart guys and girls. They're incredibly smart guys and girls. And the way that they've really transformed that business, especially over the last sort of 10 years, farm or annuity style income really takes a lot of that lumpiness out, can take advantage of of uh, bullish markets, I think around 56% of their revenue from memory. Uh, last uh, reporting period was actually the transactional piece, you know, with all the MA that was taking place, but that earnings is underpinned by that annuity style infrastructure, in particular, that infrastructure business. So uh, they are really strong on the risk management piece. You think about the Royal Commission... I was about to say that we went through it. It's about four years ago now. Uh, The Royal Commission, they certainly came out unscathed because they had a whole lot of pain earlier and got their house into order earlier. Um, The reason that you continue to buy Macquarie is if you think there's going to be more deals being done. that They're going to continue to take advantage of... Um, M&A activity that's taking place. And we're seeing a lot of these big super funds, the sovereign wealth funds. Think about Sydney Airports as an example, that sort of thing. So there's more deals to be done. Macquarie will certainly be in that. So I, I think it's a buy at these levels. I think consensus from memory is about $218. So we're trading today, as you can see, at about $188, 18% return on equity, and the PE is 17 times, which is probably a little high for a bank, but for what you're getting... Quality guys and
2: girls, it's a buy. All right. So, yeah, Henry, uh, Andrew, making the point there, you want to take advantage of those bullish markets. That's what Macquarie does. So do yep. you buy, This is this the time to buy then? Uh, well, the time to buy it was probably a week or
0: so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's up to $188 now. Is it the time to buy? It's, it's a great quality company, highly leveraged to uh, the economic cycle in some respects because of deals, because of the equity market. Um, it's got a big big US exposure as well. If we do see deals slow down a little bit, this is obviously going to impact them as well. They made an absolute mozza last year out of commodities. Uh, because of the volatility and that, that's not going to change either. Uh, green and clean is one of the themes that they push. Infrastructure again, so it's quality. And as Andrew rightly says, their their business has kind of skewed away from from the risk side of things. Although they made a mozzarella commodities, and that's a lot of that is risk um, into funds under management and that side sort of things. And they have been aggressive in the mortgage market as well, which we we could see. I don't I don't know. I, Macquarie are terrific at risk management. Uh, So, I would imagine that their mortgage book is Gold Star, uh, as opposed to some of the other lenders that may have tried to come in late and be aggressive with pricing and uh, in terms of bad debt. So, I'm not too concerned about that. It's a great stock. Should be part of your portfolio. It's one of our forever stocks. We've loved it at Marcus today for a long time. It's just a question of when you buy it. And usually, the best time to buy it is when the market's under a bit of pressure. At the moment, we're seeing this bounce, and it's quite possible that Macquarie will go from $1.88, maybe to $188 to $200, but uh, I'd rather buy it in the one seventies. At the moment, for me, it's a hold. Uh, It has got some upside, but uh, just beware that deals are going to slow as people get a little more nervous about about the outlook for the economy and the
2: equity market. Good one. Okay, let's move on to another biggie. Just got bigger too. Woodside, uh, Millie wanted to know about this. Uh, this is following, of course, its merger with uh, BHP's petroleum assets. In fact, the ratings agency Standard & Poor's saying that that merger has improved the flexibility of funding, delivering a material boost to cash flow from a near doubling in annual production. So, Henry, Woodside. Tricky one, isn't it?
0: It's a tricky one. It's, it's, um, this one's complicated. This one's complicated. Uh, It's a mega deal that they have done. Now, undoubtedly, you've got oil at $115 a barrel US at the moment. So that is a big tick in the box. But these guys have got to bed down a whole new business, which is not just a little acquisition. This is a massive acquisition. This is a game changer for Meg and the company. This really is a big deal for them. Couple that with there's a lot of people that bought BHP not because they wanted the oil and gas assets, but because they wanted to be exposed to iron ore mm. and the diversity of, of the nickel, the, whatever else that they wanted, you know, the copper in there as well, and maybe even the potash further down the track. So there are going to be some BHP shareholders that will sell Woodside, WDS as it's now called, and uh, there will be some pressure on that in the short term, I think. And I think until we get a little more clarity on things, how they look with this behemoth now... Uh, on the world stage. Um, for me, it is, it is probably a hole. I'm just a little bit circumspect about Woodside. I'd love to, If you want a cleaner play, Santos is probably the cleaner play with that exposure. Origin was one of the go-to plays leveraging their LNG exposure, and clearly that's come crashing down today. But um, for me, Woodside, just at the moment, is a little bit complicated. It's one thing running a company size X, yep. but when you add size Y to X, X plus Y doesn't always equal Z, mm. if you, you see what I mean. <laughs> that's crap. <laughs> if you have one and one, it doesn't always equal two. Sometimes yeah. it's 1.75. I think we get it. All so right. That, so that, that, in other words, reason.
2: you want to wait for it to bed down. I just want down. to
0: wait for things to bed down. Yeah. There's no hurry with this one. If you want oil and gas exposure, I think Santos is probably a better way to go. I own Karoon. I like Caroon. um, Woodside, quality company. But... You know the CEO is relatively untested as well. Mm. She's only just got the gig. Um, this is a this is a big deal. This is going to take some culture to to bed down. It's going to take more than uh, you know. Just a, okay. Now we're called WDS and away we go. This is yep. not just
2: that. All right. What's well, energy? It's not petroleum, is it? No. Uh, uh, okay, Andrew.
1: Um, did you understand Henry's Matheson? No. I was. I was just. <laughs> He's excellent on his market commentary, maths, maybe. <laughs> um, look, uh, Henry's spot on. There's, there's lots of moving parts in this simple brain, Andrew says, and I absolutely get the cultural piece, and I've, Henry and I many times on this segment uh, have, that's the number one thing, one of the few things he and I agree on, it's the culture and trying to bring together two big organisations going to be a top 10 global uh, energy producer by volume trying to rip out $400 million a year in uh, cost efficiency savings, but all playing happy families. That's going to be a challenge. We'll park that for a moment. It's trading on a PE of seven and a 7% fully frank dividend for next year. Um, It's trading well below consensus valuation at $32 in an environment where energy should continue to do well in the short term. But the other thing, the other thing, and for those who run the Marcus Today forums, who will see me banging on about this the last couple of days, uh, coming into 30 June, there's a fair bit of index reweighting that's going to be taking place. and that's going to cause uh, a few interesting price moves. In particular, uh, Woodside is actually going to become an ASX10 company. So there are going to be fundies who are underweight Woodside and will need to be buying Woodside shares. The flip side is there's a whole swag, a whole slew of shareholders, of BHP shareholders who are going to receive Woodside who don't want it. So there's going to be sort of all this sort of argy-bargy, but from my point of view, it's a buy. 7% fully frank dividend on a P of 7. I think that's pretty compelling.
2: All right. Woodside, there you go. All right, let's summarise where we've been for the first half of the show. Uh, and we began with our stock of the day. That was Origin Has Been Hit. Uh, hard today uh, off the back of its uh, just uh, readjusting its uh, its earnings outlooks having problems with coal Uh, we know what's going on in the energy space at the moment Uh, Andrew expecting more bad news uh, to come he's got a hole on it Uh, Henry yeah agreeing more downside he's more likely to trim at this point Uh, our first one as picked by you aristocrat uh, Henry's saying look, ongoing supply chain issues there but he's uh, looking perhaps for a bit of a pullback but he does have an accumulate on it uh, Andrew uh, mentioning as did Henry also about the, the market buyback there offering support to the share price um, E was initially a hold but he's agreeing with uh, Henry there and his accumulate uh, DDH1 the drilling contractor there um, Andrew's got a hold on it Henry a buy given certainly what's going on with the, uh, the mining boom and then the beta shares Australian X20 portfolio diversifier. It is all about diversi- diversification here. That's what our viewer wanted to know, Lauren. Um, Henry saying, look, he likes it, but Andrew pointing out, perhaps you might be better off going to the MVW ETF uh, as a better diversifier there. Uh, then a couple of the biggies, Macquarie. Andrew's saying, yeah, look, um, certainly taking advantage of a takes advantage of bullish markets. Uh, he's got a buy on it, Henry saying it is your forever stock there. He's got a hold, uh, perhaps looking for a bit of a pullback. And Woodside, uh, Henry saying, uh, look, he doesn't mind. He's got a hold on it. Prefers Santos as a cleaner play. And Andrew there, um, he's got a buy on Woodside. Okay. now, of course, we are tracking our own high conviction fund that's uh, picked by our investment committee. You can still watch that last episode of the committee at ausbiz.com before the next edition goes live as of next Tuesday. So let's uh, check in, see how it's looking. Uh, Recently adding Tabcorp, Domino's, Arn Leisure and Tyro uh, this month, uh, shifting the original allocations and cash holding size. Of course, May has been a difficult month. Um, So last time I checked, it was down around 1%. So... Keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on.
1: At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been
2: trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So, if you're serious about trading, switch to the
1: market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets consider relevant pds and tmd or information memorandum of the cmc pro accounts at our website
2: all right let's move on to the second half of the show we're going to be looking at washington H Sol Pats, beta shares australian resources sector etf damstra holdings mgc pharmaceuticals and beacon lighting let's begin with Sol Pats. david wanting to know about this saying recent market volatility has seen it drop in value a fair bit uh, my portfolio it's around seven percent lower Uh, Thinking of adding to my position, however, do you think Brickworks is the better beat? And also, do you think in the current market, is it better to dollar cost average into these beaten down quality stocks over 6 to 12 months? Or to jump in now with decent chunk whilst the market is down? Lots of questions here about which way you go. Um, But he's saying he feels that there's a good quality stock for sale here. Uh, Pointing out he's 32 years old, happy to hold for the long term. Doesn't mind risky plays, and the majority of the portfolio is in is Vanguard. I think Vanguard Australian shares and international shares, ETFs. Uh, so lots to get through there. As far as uh, his thinking is concerned, uh, for David Henry, so uh, um
0: In general terms, uh, it is good sometimes to pick up quality stocks in the bad times, and I'm you know unfortunately at the moment brickworks and Solpats are going through some bad times. Very different companies, obviously. Mm. Solpats is an investment company, which has a big investment in Brickworks, which makes it kind of a bit complicated. Solpats also has a big investment in TPG, and it has a big investment in New Hope, which is a coal stock. So there is there is a lot of things going on there. I have to say, to me, Solpats is always just too complicated. There's too many moving parts, too many cross-shareholdings. I think there's other ways to play... That TPG, you know, what which, go direct instead? Well, not just go direct, but there's you know, ETFs for a start. You know, you're going to mm. get that, or, or go for another LIC that has a better investment. Uh, you know, the way they do things. One of my favourites has been Long Short Fund, run by Mark Landau, which has done really well for our, our members, uh, and that's been a cracker. And I have to say that's done very well. Solpats over the long term has done really good, but um, it has stumbled recently. TPG has been one of the reasons for that stumble and brickworks as well has been one of the reasons for that stumble because let's face it we know housing is slowing down, we know the building and construction industry is under some pressure, we've seen that with a number of high profile builders Uh, well one in Queensland I think actually went into administration but there's certainly rumours around that things aren't all they should be in uh, in the building game so that's going to weigh on brickworks, there's, there's probably no reason to buy brickworks at the moment and for me, there's no reason really to buy soul packs. There's other things out there. This is a—it's one of the, the oldest companies in Australia. Mm. Um, but maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe the world has kind of changed and there's other ways now to play uh, the market. But if you like New Hope and you like TPG and you like Brickworks, knock yourself out. But not for me.
2: All right, Andrew. G. Henry even suggesting perhaps an ETF is a better way to go. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs>
1: Sorry, did, did Henry ETFs? Uh, no, look, I, this one's a really interesting one because um, I'll very, very briefly share a story, 25 years of doing this. My mentor, when I first started, handed me a whole pile of annual reports because, of course, the internet was not a thing back in 1997. And he was, you know, talking to me about the Milner family. He said, mate, never forget the thicker the carpet, the thinner the dividend. And I went okay, and that's one of the Milner family's sort of catch cries. That, and if you look at their annual reports, it's not some big glossy thing with you know the fourth generation of the Milner family there. It's a very standard, serviceable document. You know they are very fiscally responsible people, and that's why a dollar in sorry a thousand dollars invested in 1981 is today worth two hundred and twenty one thousand dollars. So one thousand 1981. 221,000 today it's been growing by about 14 per cent per annum these guys and girls and no deals but equally so you are betting that they are going to continue to make the right calls in telcos or pharmaceuticals or financial services or whatever areas that they're investing in so it for the, the viewer who wrote in it's probably a good foil for their passive vas vgs the passive side to then have an active side with what the Milners are doing. To Henry's point, though, are the Milners the best ones at it? You know, is it LSF? Is it BTI? You know, there are other active managers out there that are pretty good too. So I personally wouldn't bet it against the Milner family. Uh, I think that they're going to continue to do well, uh, but it's not the only choice. And very briefly, to the dollar cost averaging piece, mm. that's something we are doing here. Yeah. We're certainly not sort of going today's the day and hoping We are sort of saying, tell us what sum of money you've got and then breaking it into six- or 12-month chunks and on the 15th of every month just investing it. Because with due respect, you and Henry and I have got no idea what um, Vladimir Putin's doing or any of the other noise that's in the short term, so it's going to take that emotion out of it. So certainly a big advocate of dollar-cost averaging.
2: All right. So, sorry, what's your call then on the...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, you wanted an answer. Yeah. (laughs) spare time sorry um no i think it's a
2: buy okay all right yep all right good one all right let's uh move to the beta shares australian resources sector etf patrick wanting to know about this one uh and uh pointing to henry saying that we're in a commodity boom uh but we're going to start with andrew for his thoughts on the etf
1: yeah, look, I, I don't mind it. Um, the only thing we need to think about with this one, so, that, you know, as the name suggests, it's just sort of buying that materials or resource complex. It's one third BHP. So if you're wanting a diversified range of material companies, this may not be the one for you. Not because it doesn't own a range, it's just heavily concentrated on BHP, but guess what, so is the index so and again if you go broke holding a bhp that i think we will have some extreme issues but uh, i i don't mind this one in fact i own this one myself i i quite i quite like this um it's up 17 percent per annum over the last five years so it's delivered some pretty good returns but again that's a function of having over one third of the portfolio in bhp so there could be an equally compelling argument just going we'll just buy bhp because you know they've got that whole diversification piece probably a little shallow because as we've just heard, BHP is off divesting themselves of various things. So I, I don't mind this one at all, but just be aware that it's heavily focused on, on BHP, but the returns stack up. Uh, it's got exposure to oil and gas. It's got exposure to gold. It's got exposure to steel. The MER, that management expense ratio is not too bad. So um, it, it's a buy. Okay. All right.
2: Henry, I know you're going to say,
0: yeah, why not buy BHP? I'm, I, well, I'm, I'm not going to say that uh, because that would be too easy. Uh, but it is. I mean, that's the problem with this. It's concentrated in BHP, Fortescue, Rio, Woodside. That's about 50% of this ETF. So if you, if you like those stocks, this is perfect for you. Um, it does have a gross distribution yield of 7.3%. Now, I'm a bit puzzled how it has franking of 1.108% not sure how you can get franking of 108%, but maybe Andrew being a, um, in the financial planning game uh, is uh, better at um, answering that question than I am. But yes, I mean, certainly we are going through a resource boom in Australia at the moment. It may not be as flashy a boom as we've seen in previous booms um, because of COVID, because of shutdowns in WA, et cetera, uh, have affected that. And costs are rising, of course, as well. But I was looking this morning at the, the string of IPOs that are coming for the ASX in the next sort of six months. It is all resources. And we are seeing some stunning results from some resource companies outside of the big ones. Uh, we saw um, you know, Southern Gold recently did very well. So, you know, there is um, Southern Cross Gold. So there is, uh, you know, there, it's, there's a lot happening in the resource sector. Even today, you know, we've got lithium stocks absolutely smashed today, you know, really smashed. And that's, that's a sector that I have liked. Uh, and still do like. And to me, I'm looking at it going, oh, these are some bargains out there for sure. Mm. And there's no lithium stocks really in that QRE, and they have been really good performers. So if you like BHP, you like Rio and Fortescue and Woodside, it's perfect for you. Uh, For me, I'd probably rather cherry pick the stocks that I like. Things like South32, BHP, uh, and maybe Santos in there as well. If you're looking at building a resource kind of portfolio, and then maybe going down to some of the lithium players, which today are on sale.
2: Yep. Okay. So maybe a buy but not for you.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I like BHP. No, I'll so be BHP's thirty nine percent of it, so yeah, fair yes. Enough. It's 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 a buy, especially as the resource boom continues.
2: Yep. Okay. All right. Um, Okay, moving on then, let's take a look at Damstra Holdings, uh, provides workplace management solutions to industry segments, uh, assists their clients in tracking, managing, protecting employees and contractors. Richard wanting to know about this, uh, in fact pointing this to you Henry saying when you're on the show, uh, wanting to know how the company's managed in your view, the executive chairman and chief executive each hold over 10 percent of the equity among the top 20 shareholders is Mr. and Mrs. Losemore, but um, I think he's actually reading that as lose more. I hope they have a sense of humour, Henry. Uh, this has been a
0: disaster. This stock. It has. It been has a, lost more. It has lost more. It has been an absolute disaster. Um, I remember getting some uh, research from a, a, a guy uh, with a broker who shall not be named, um, and he was massively bullish on this thing, and it was falling like a rock and was still going through the fundamentals and going, I can't understand it, I can't work it out. And I looked at it, and I've looked at it before for the small cap thing, and I think even at one stage I was sort of taking a bit of a stand. It's 10 cents now. It's fallen from $1.20 to 10 cents. Um, To me, I mean, it's it's not terminal, uh, but clearly there's some big shareholders there um, at the moment, and there are some, um, certainly some question marks, I guess, over their business model. Would you touch it at 10 cents if you were a really specky buyer and you were looking at something that, um, you know, has been damaged so much that it is almost in penny dreadful basket now? Because you know, it, it, as I say, that the broker in question had you know, hundred dollar you know, fifty on the, on the price target at one stage. Now, here we are at 10 cents. Mm. For me, it's just it doesn't quite do it for me yet, there's just too much bad news that keeps coming. And uh, I, I, I can't get my head around why I'd want to buy this one yep. just yet.
2: Okay, that's a big no from you then. Andrew, do you agree?
1: The chart. Can we just see the chart again in a sec, please? Yeah, the chart doesn't get much uglier, does it? Oh, that would that would have to be one of the worst charts. Thank you. That would have to be one of the worst charts I have seen. Wouldn't you agree, Henry? Like that is just
0: yeah. an absolute. But, okay. but, but the next stock gets better in terms of charts. <laughs> That's a winner as well.
1: All right. Okay. I like how we're teasing. Um, but to your point around the Penny Dreadful crew, and a special hello to you, um, I would think that probably over the next three to four weeks coming into 30 June, all those poor people that paid the 90 cents or the dollar or whatever they paid, they may be looking at crystallising losses. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just saying normally we have up companies in may and june you know they you think they copped off logging before buckle up for the last three or four weeks and so potentially there might be some opportunistic buying um i'm not telling you to do that i'm just saying i think the, i guess what i'm trying to say is i think the price is going to get worse before it gets better um, i think the probably the thing that was terminal for it was when they spoke about the tightening of the guidance that they gave back in april um, they've only got about one and a half years worth of cash left. So certainly as, as they continue to burn through cash and that share price falls, that's a challenge for them as well. $64,000 a day traded. So there's hardly any volume in it. So I would be sitting back. I'd wait and see how it comes out in, at the end of June. And if you're in that penny dreadful thing, well, maybe you have a put it in July. But it's definitely not anything but a hold and probably less.
2: all right i'm surprised you'd say perhaps a hold but yeah look we'll say it as perhaps perhaps. yeah perhaps (laughs) very perhaps all right well let's go there then to our next one mgc pharmaceuticals julie wanting to know about this one recently been granted a patent for its investigational uh, medical product Uh, it's a plant-based drug that's been developed to treat acute and chronic inflammation caused by flu and viral diseases such as covid um and, uh, Andrew, I mean, it's always, it's, a, it's always a difficult area, isn't this, in sort of essentially biotech or thereabouts. Um, it's either a hit or a miss.
1: And, Andrew, this is a miss. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> this is a miss. Uh, not only on past historical, but certainly if you have a look at, if, again, those four Cs, you have a look at the, uh, the quarterly update as to how much cash they've got left. Uh, they're running pretty low on cash. Um so certainly that's not looking too helpful for them either. Uh no, this is uh, this is an avoid. They only have fifty eight thousand dollars a day of shares traded on this one. So again, we were sort of lamenting that sixty-four was too hard. Well, this one's even less. So no, this is uh this is an avoid.
2: Yeah. I and I'm sorry we don't actually have the chart just to see how ugly it is, but it's pretty much flatlining at this point. Um Henry?
0: Um, this this is an avoid for mm. me. These guys, um, you know, the chart has done this, and now it's kind of gone into the flat line, which is ne- never good. The machine's beeping. Yep. Um, it's um, it's got a uh, a cannabinoid uh, treatment for epilepsy, which has been licensed in Europe, and uh, there's certainly some potential there. But really, this has just destroyed shareholders' funds uh, and destroyed the share price. There is so many good stocks out there at the moment which are, have been whacked over the head for whatever reason. Quality shares that you can go bargain hunting in. You know why would you go down to this level at the moment? The, the risk is that you know this one quietly just slips below the surface and never really resurfaces. So um, the volume is no no great shakes. Two mm. cents really not for me. Okay. Um,
2: so today, right now, and you have spoken about lithium. If you could throw your money at any stock right now, yep. which one would it be?
0: Any stock right now? Well, looking at the price of uh, Liontown at a dollar twelve, <laughs> that, you looks pretty, go there. that looks pretty appealing. Right, uh, Pilbara. You know, there there is there is some reports that uh, we're going to see some price capping from exports out of South America, Chile and Argentina uh, on lithium. Now that's all well and good. That's fine, but um, you have got to remember that the price cap. It's still, way, you know, it's above where these guys have got any of their models, any of their valuations in. So it's still a pretty ritzy price cap. And what does price caps do? It stops people exploring and producing. And if they're not doing that, then supply remains tight. So you know, th- these are lithium stocks that are getting whacked today. Goldman yep. Sachs got a report out as well. You know, you just look at this. This could be um, a good opportunity. It may last a few more days, as Andrew says, the three-day rule. I'm still trying to worry about the 72 day, the 72 rule, but uh, the three day rule, uh, I have to say, I'm kind of, that's where I'm gonna be hunting.
2: All right, fair enough. Um, Okay, finally, let's take a look at beacon lighting. Uh, Jason wanted to know about this one. Um, Henry, we know what it does, uh, just as far as providing lighting. I guess a lot of this depends on, you know, we've been through the renovation phase, have we not? We have. With COVID, so where's that leave the
0: company? Um, not in a great place, I don't think. Um, it has fallen from grace. It was one of the, uh, I guess it was one of those stocks during COVID that we were all uh, buying lights. Uh, they've set up a new big trade division. They've kind of really focusing on the trade division, but we are seeing developments in Australia, slow. We are seeing builders under some price pressure. We'd certainly see that uh, Beacon would be under price pressure in terms of, you know, we, when they're not making the lights, they're importing the lights and the lights are getting more expensive. So um, for me at the moment, this one's too heavily geared to a housing cycle, which has well and truly peaked. Uh, If we are seeing rates go up, um, are you going to start putting new lights in your home instead of paying the mortgage? I don't think so. Mm. Um, Are you going to do that renovation? Maybe not because you're not going to be able to get the refinance. You won't be able to use your home as the ATM that it has been used for in the past with refinancing. So, yeah, no, this is a no from
2: me. Yeah. Can I tell you, our, our last renovation began with changing a light. Yeah, you see, that's the the trouble. We're going to change the light. Let's uh, change the whole fitting. Well, if you're going to change the fitting, let's change the room. And then everything looks
0: terrible. You go, well, that's new and that's old. So we need to do the new bit there. And then you just keep going. (laughs) It just never ends. And then by the time you're finished, you'll have to start again.
2: All right. So that's a no then. That's a no.
1: Yep. Andrew? look that trade presentation that henry was just talking about you know if you've got a spare moment it's actually quite a really interesting read not only about their strategy but more how broadly fragmented like the electrician market is 95 percent of electricians like um, either less than five employees and that sort of thing and how they're trying to sort of assist with that. So it's quite an interesting strategic piece. But, you know, Henry's quite right. If the market's slowing and people are under pressure, the average mortgage in New South Wales is $800,000. So uh, and that's New South Wales, it's not Sydney. So, you know, interest rates go up 1%, an extra eight grand a year in interest payments. Are you going to be going out and buying a light? Probably not. The actual business itself is pretty good. 31% ROE, 13% margin, PE of 12, lots to like about it. But I think the macro is probably against them. I do like businesses where there's lots of skin in the game and the CEO owns 55% of the business. So uh, they are incentivated to make it work. But I think the macro headwinds is against them. So it is a hold and it becomes a buy around that 190 just looking at the chart before.
2: Okay. Good one, let's summarize where we've been then. And um, actually, we've got just a bit of time. Sorry, before we do that, sorry, because I, I asked Henry, I need to ask Andrew anything you would buy right now, given uh, what's going on in the market.
1: I was halfway through placing a Line Town order for my super fund just before. <laughs> um, thanks for that, thanks for the uh, suggestion, Henry. Um, no, look, I uh, my, my, my satellite ETFs have been copping the rounds of the kitchen. Uh, Qual, of course, it wouldn't be the call if I didn't mention Qual, at least. Um, very briefly, for those who have been asleep for the last three years, I've been on the on the call. Qual basically buys businesses high return on equity, uh, low levels of debt and set into increasing earnings. Obviously, a lot of technology companies in there, but yeah, Qual is a, is a great one. Yep. And I'm also yep. a big fan of Hack. Uh, it was actually probably the last thematic to fall over it was actually holding up quite well it sort of focuses on that cyber security space and i'm sure we've all either know someone or ourselves have been victims of cyber security scams etc so that's not going away at all so they're probably the two etfs uh, that Mm. that i quite like at the moment all right there's the bonus for you right there all right let's summarize where
2: we've been for the second half of the show uh we began with washington eight soul pats and uh henry's saying well it just it's too complicated at this at this point it's a no andrew though saying yeah look you know he just uh see there's a good foil to the the passive side of your portfolio he's, he's got a buy on it uh, the beta shares australian resources sector etf um a third of this is bhp andrew points out he does own it it's a buy Henry's saying uh yes uh potentially if that's your thing really uh all right and what was our next one damstra and uh look it's a big no from uh both of them uh provides that workplace management solutions and uh, it's got a very very ugly chart and uh, andrew pointing out it's likely to get worse uh similarly MGC Pharmaceuticals. It is a big avoid from uh, both of them. Um, Henry pointed out there's so many other good stocks at the moment. Why would you go there? Which led us to the question of what you'd buy right now. I'll get to that in just a moment. And finally, Beacon Lighting. Uh, Yeah, we know building's slowing. Henry's saying no. Andrew saying, well, you'd probably hold it at this point. And for a bonus, we have given you uh, Liontown from Henry (laughs) (laughs) and... uh, and hack ETFs from Andrew. There you go. Don't sorry. we don't give you an extra bit to go on. All right. Thanks to our guest, Henry. Thanks for joining us and Marcus today. Pleasure. Always fun. And Andrew, to you. Thank you for joining us from DP Wealth Management. Where's he gone?
1: There he is. Where's Andrew? Thank you very much. It's been great fun. All right,
2: any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, thecall at osbiz.com.au or you can tweet us at osbizTV and you can find those stocks that we have in the Calls portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. <laughs>